everybody. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Paramedicine. I am a cold. Give me a break. Give me a break. Oh, well, Give welcome. me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that kitty cat bar. I think I've told you this. Maybe I've mentioned it on the pat. I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast. Like my dream job when I was a kid and still to this day, maybe when I retire would be to like be a jingle singer. Oh, I thought you were like a chocolate factory. (laughs) I was like, okay, I mean, (laughs) I mean, yes, that too. I got a few dream jobs. One of them is to sing jingles, but jingles are kind of out now. So you shouldn't be. No. Have you seen the Pepto-Bismol one? No. Oh is it good i just don't watch tv anymore really so like i don't up systemic something something oh. diarrhea okay but that's like yeah. old one. that's like that's like been around for years really yeah oh my god nausea heartburn indigestion upset stomach diarrhea Deck. yes so i mean like so, like uncle jesse and joey from yeah. Old house yeah they wrote jingles and i that's was like right. i want to be that fucking person and yeah. here i am wasn't uh three men and a baby didn't they do the same thing i cannot remember that movie i remember like the people in it but i don't remember do you remember when they everyone was saying like oh there's a ghost in this one part of the movie Mm -hmm. and it's a little boy standing behind a curtain and i played it and paused it and holy fuck it is but i think now i think it was a cardboard cutout Anybody knows the truth about that because I don't want to Google it. Well, My I search to- history is already fucked up enough. I know. And yeah, let us know. I need to know. And I'm going to look at that after this. But <laughs> well, it's great to be back. We have a little bit of a new schedule just because I need time to edit after we do our episode. Yeah, Katie so- does all the editing. I don't want to touch it. Yeah. Right. So I've like, so after I do my episode, Kate will do her episode like the next week. But then after Kate does her episode, I need a week to edit and then a week to research mine. So it's like two weeks. So it's just going to be a little abnormal. It's not going to be every single week. It'll be like every other week, sometimes every week. But thanks for sticking around. Uh, I do have a story because I texted Kate and I've been dying to tell Kate this fucking story. Yeah. That happens because Kate was really upset last week during our episode. (laughs) I told a really funny story. Like long story short, I... Walked into a man who I thought was a mannequin. I tried to grab him. He was a human being. It was this really awkward story. But it made the intro to the episode like 20 minutes long. And I'm like, it's got to go. It was basically, she was at L.L. Bean. And she was in the checkout line. And she, for some reason in her Katie brain, thought, the man this in front of me man was a mannequin and she really liked his bag so, so she reached out it. <sighs> to grab this man's satchel and he was a real human. and he was a real human being it was so awkward and he but thankfully we made like jokes about it it was fine but that yeah. was the story and kate was really upset that i uh totally yeah. got that out of last week's episode but I've got a great new okay. story to tell. And tell. this one's staying in because like we're going to we're, we're going to do this staying in because it's hilarious. So <laughs> so I was at Sam's Club last week, my boyfriend, Alex, and we were wandering around as you do in Sam's Club. And we're in the clothing section just perusing. And this man walks up to me and he looks like a fucking creep. Like he looks weird. I, I told you was before, he an old guy or a young guy? He was he was like probably 45 I want to say. Did he look like he maybe so what, didn't have a 
Yes, he, or... he was missing a couple teeth. Okay, he, okay. He, um, was wearing like his oversized, dirty-looking sweatshirt. Okay. He looked exactly, in my opinion, like Tim Robinson, who is this comedian from this hilarious show on on Netflix. Uh, I think you should leave. And looks exactly like him. So here's here's what he looks like. Oh, yeah, exactly. so like I mean, it he, could have been him. Truly, it was like that's he looked he like looked. he had been enjoying some meth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he's like excuse me miss and just like this really creepy grin on his face and he's like i know that this is gonna sound weird and i don't want to sound like a pervert like you're a little kid and i'm like oh god this isn't going anywhere good (laughs) and he's like but i have a broken arm which he did have like his arm apparent it looked like that is how ted bundy got women but i couldn't see it was just under his shirt like so he could have easily just like taken her arm I have a broken arm here and I need to know what size my pants are. And like, I, can you check the size of my pants? Like as he's reaching into his butt crack to pull out his tag. tag. And like, I didn't know what to do because the Minnesota nice in me is like, well, this could be a, like a nice man who needs help. That, like, that, I would think soul. that too. I'd be like, well, I guess uh, no skin off my ass to look at the tag. But then that's skin off your ass. <laughs> Because that's what he was like reaching into his butt crack. And I was like, I basically froze like with this awkward, like, <laughs> and so that's what I do. I laugh. Yeah, I was like, oh God, what do I do? And then Alex was like, you know what? I'll, I'll check. I'll check. Oh no, that is chivalrous. Chivalry is not dead. <laughs> Alex took over the team and reached into this man. You marry that man. man. He literally he looked at another man's butt. And for you. I was like, I'm, He's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I guess men just think I'm really creepy. So that's why I go for the women and ask questions like this. Whoa, that is not sound logic. No, no, no. That is a walking restraining order. So I need to get out of here. (laughs) We like shuffled our way out as fast as possible. It was terrifying. So that is uh, how I almost got uh, murdered by a real creep. At Sam's Club. But to be fair, if you did, at least someone would know what That's his true. pant size was. <laughs> <laughs> they could be well, like, no, they'd be like, he was a size medium. He looked like he'd been doing a lot of meth and he was probably a 3230. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but the thing is, he was wearing sweatpants. So it was like literally like small, medium, large. Guess. Just guess. Be like, I think I'm a medium. Oh, well, it was, it wasn't That's like a totally different story. Yeah, they were sweatpants. <laughs> it's like, you can probably guess your size. And if you guess wrong, there's a generous return policy. Why do you hold other sweatpants up right. and, and look in a mirror and be like, oh, okay. Or go in a changing room. Yeah, figure it. Well, it's Sam's Club. But go in the bathroom. Yeah. Go in the fucking bathroom. Yeah. You fucking creep. You have other options. I love that he thought asking a woman was I know. safe. I was like, like, that was safer. He's like, the guys just think I'm a weirdo when I ask questions like questions like this. I'm like. You mean that guys are more likely to say no. Exactly. Which is so manipulative. Right. Well, that's my story for the week. That is uh, amazing. We're going to keep the beginning short because I know last week we got chatty and also <laughs> had the ranch dressing uh, ice cream tasting. Which so. in retrospect was disgusting. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I think, I, did I tell you I had my work husband, Kevin, his daughters came over to hang out the Saturday after that. Oh yeah. And his daughter, we, I made them pizza for lunch and she's like, I only eat my pizza with ranch. I'm like, oh, you like ranch, huh? <laughs> and 
Have I got a treat for you? No, you didn't. Sure did. She's five and a half and she ate some of the ranch ice cream and she did not like it. (laughs) All right. Well, this week is my night. Like you said last week, you're like, it's my night and I get to do what I want. (laughs) It's my night. I get to do what I want. That voice. It haunts my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) That's why. Did you hear today? The ice cream truck? Sure did. I think of you every fucking time because that voice goes, hello. Hello. I can do it perfectly. (laughs) I literally think that you're outside my window because you have been before. And Lincoln (laughs) calls it the lollipop man, which sounds very creepy. So we have to use that trick that one of our listeners wrote in about where we tell them when the music my, is on. Oh, my best friend, Emily. Yeah. The music is on. The ice cream is gone. The money scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're going to start using that again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so tonight, at my night, so tonight we are going to talk about a man named Joe Ball or Alligator Man, the Butcher of <laughs> Elmendorf, or the Bluebeard of the Set. Wait, Elmendorf is in Texas. So yeah, we're that's redoing a state. We're redoing a state. That's right. Elmendorf is a place that sounds like Lord of the Rings. Yep, Elmendorf. Elmendorf <laughs> is near San Antonio. Okay. Uh, and that is where Joe Ball uh, was born and raised. So this is also an oldie, which, you know, I love. And yeah. it came from one of those anthologies, which I love those. I absolutely I just love. I fucking love those. So yeah, so this came, I, I read about this in an anthology by the writer Edward Braddon. And um, I've I've talked about a lot of the in, a lot of the stories I've read in his little anthologies before, um, and so yeah, tonight we're talking about Joe Ball. So so Joe Ball was born on January seventh, eighteen ninety six. Ooh, so, it is an old old one. It is an oldie. He was born in nineteen eighty six um, in Elmendorf, uh, which, like I said, is a, a small, very small town, fifteen miles or so outside of San Antonio, Texas. So that's about 10 years after the Servant Girl Annihilator. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That was in Austin, Texas. That was in Austin. Okay. So, yeah, Joe was uh, born and raised in Elmendorf. He went to the University of Texas for college and was the son of Frank Ball, who basically built Elmendorf from the ground up. Um, He was a pioneer. And so the Ball family, which never gets old. Um, were a rich, well-known family in Elmendorf. Frank helped to build Elmendorf with his cotton business. So okay. cotton was like a huge right. business in the right. South. Frank had 12 kids. So Joe Ball was one of 12 children and he was the second of the 12 kids. So he had lots of so lots of siblings. He was the first man in Elmendorf to enlist in World War One, and he went to war like saw some pretty grisly scenes when he was in Europe during the war and was honorably discharged in 1919 when he returned to Texas. People described him as soft-spoken and friendly enough. Friendly enough. Friendly enough. He had a horrible temper though and was never one to shy away from a fist fight. His family members like describe him as kind-hearted, but most people were like, no, he was not that way at all. Um, Elmendorf has a large population of his, like a, a large uh, Mexican population mm-hmm. because it, you know, and it's, it's close to the border. And a couple of people were like, I remember he used to take in like Mexican families and like help them with 
somebody in the family needed medical care or whatever, like he would help. But no, what like other than his direct family members, no one said anything like that about him. They were like, he was a he was had a bad temper. He's not a super nice man, and he always was like in in trouble. Well, did any of those poor Mexican people just disappear? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. So he was also known to be a heavy drinker. He drank a ton. And on top of that was always uh, packing heat. So he was sexist. Yeah, it's sexist. So, but he was known to be a great shot with his gun. He was always armed and he'd often pull out his gun to show people how good he really was. Was One person said he was able to shoot through the mouth of a beer bottle or toss a coin in the air and shoot it. So he was known for being like an excellent shot. And incredibly reckless. Yeah. He's just walking down the street. Yep. Just you want to see something cool? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not Star Wars. But. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get it. No lasers. No. 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 Uh, no. Pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> no. These were actual guns. <laughs> he was also known uh, along with the fact that like along the same lines of him being like not a super friendly guy, not a good person. He was known to have a lot of black workers that worked for him and he treated them like shit. So real piece of shit human being. He was also physically, he was like a huge man. He was muscular. He had short brown hair, was over six feet tall, but he wasn't super handsome, even though that description makes him sound that way. So in other words, if he were standing in a checkout line at L.L. Bean, you would reach for his You're right, because he was a shot. No, the guy in L.L. Bean, I'm not kidding, was probably seven feet tall. He was unbelievable. What mannequin tall. have you ever seen is that tall? I was like, in my head, I, I like looked out the corner. I thought maybe it was a mannequin that was like propped on the and table. And then you tell me that Katie says, well, yeah, I didn't know he was dressed in outdoors clothes. And I was like, because he came in from the outdoors <laughs> and he's shopping at L.L. Bean. They were- <laughs> but she wanted his bag. <laughs> oh, despite the fact that that sounds like he'd be handsome, like big muscular brown hair, six feet tall. He really wasn't. <laughs> they said uh, a lot of women said that he had almost like he was so always so angry and grouchy and like mean that he was almost like repulsive. He didn't have manners. He was very direct and and people like most of the time were uncomfortable with his presence. So he just like seemed like a douchebag. Well, and kind of a wild card because you've got this guy that nobody trusts and nobody likes just shooting his gun off. Yep. Like, yeah, not good. So in the, into the 20s and 30s he had was married twice his first wife divorced him she moved to the south his second wife nell ball also divorced him no one knows what happened to nell so oh, poor she nell. was said to have gone to the midwest but no one can corroborate that so hard to say what happened to poor nell but oh. he had a history of disappearances so <laughs> marriage divorce disappearance. you know um, the trifecta all those yeah. things <laughs> During Prohibition, uh, he was a bootlegger. When clients came to his house to purchase liquor from him, which was $5 a gallon, which I'm like... Right after the... Yeah, so that's like roughly $117. Yeah, nobody has that but just for laying a around. a gallon of liquor, I mean, for a gallon of straight liquor, I guess, and during Prohibition, it's like people were willing to do a lot. But but yeah, he would he sold this, this, you know, straight alcohol, straight liquor for five bucks a gallon and people come to his house to make purchases from him when they get there he was always like literally everyone described him as just being gross and dirty and a dirty bathrobe but was always sleeping with like literally in bed with like a very attractive woman so somehow it's money despite joe ball being repulsive like literally described as repulsive by many people he was a ladies man like everyone was like he always had women like there were attractive women 
You know what they say like, about tall guys. Well, and also, <laughs> that. but also I think like there's some I've never been into it, but like some women just like really dig bad boys. I like well, really I think it's bad. a well-known fact that that women choose people that Are treat shitty. them like shit until yep. they, until they until we wise up and and do something else. But yeah, yeah, or it could have been money if he was yeah. Making, he, he, I mean, like he was part of like the family that ran the town. So he yeah, was money never, status. So he was also said, so gross, to keep a full bottle of whiskey and a full pan of fried chicken next to his bed. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that is, both of those things are my death row meal right there. I'll be a dead woman waddling if I need to be, because that is like, amazing. Like, is it fried chicken? No. Okay, like, if it's boiling hot, like, if it's fresh out of a fryer, I will, yes. I will eat it. Yeah, I mean, I will eat I it no matter what. Like, I don't care what temperature it is. No, as long as the yeah. I mean, you know, like you see in like 1950s, like I don't know, like Leave It to Beaver or something, yeah. where like the mom takes a like a plate of of leftover fried chicken out of the fridge and just like here's lunch. I'm like, that's cold, yuck. Like, mm-hmm. can you just like reheat that with like potato salad and yeah, stuff? Yeah, oh, it's like cold freaking delicious. Cold? Oh, yeah, man, gotta reheat that. So despite the fact <coughs> that he he never really hid his bootlegging. But they also never, like, police didn't care. It's Texas. Yeah, they were like, whatever. It's not like, you know, mafia-run operations on the East Coast. Yeah. Like, where they were busting down doors and, like... Yeah, they yeah. did... He did have uh, a raid on his home once, but it doesn't actually appear that anything happened. So, like, they didn't care. They they looked... They, they just, like, turned a blind eye to his bootlegging operation. Um, so when Prohibition ended, Joe opened up a tavern. And it wasn't really, like, anything fancy. It was basically a shack... And was named the Sociable Inn, or some people called it Joe's Place. But he was licensed to serve only beer and wine, but everyone also knew he served liquor. He had tables for cards. He had, like, a player piano. And he was always known to have attractive girls working there. He also, unfortunately, also was involved in cockfighting, which was terrible. But as a chicken owner, you probably don't appreciate that. Yeah, but it gets even worse because uh, it was not... It was a successful tavern, not because, ju- you know, not just because of the beautiful girls, not just because of the player piano or the cockfighting, but it had a cement pool with five alligators in it. Oh, did he feed things to the alligators? So no, yes, like, and like, of course he did. He, I mean, alligators got to eat. So nobody <laughs> knew where these alligators oh. came from. Some said he caught them from an area near his home and like, quote unquote, domesticated them. But he would bring customers out there and put on a show throwing chunks of meat in to the alligator. Oh, well, at least it wasn't like, oh, oh, it's, animals. yeah, this is like a trigger warning because for customers who paid a bit more. Oh, gross. Yeah. No, he, don't tell me what animal. Yeah. No. He had like a shed full of strays and Mm-mm. yeah, terrible, horrible human being. So, Whoa. Yeah. Rotten um, hell, I Joe know. Ball. So he would make the alligators go crazy and then <laughs> toss live animals in. A fucking psychopath. What a fuck. You know, I have no issues with, well, I I mean, I don't want to say no issues, but <laughs> with people <laughs> killing people. But, but animals? Animals? Come on. They are literally helpless. Like, it's like and they for trust me you implicitly. Uh, so, and it, you know, the alligators were a huge draw, but. Also, the attractive waitresses were a huge reason that people... Oh, so it was like Hooters only with dying. Exactly. (laughs) So, Bell or Ball loved beautiful women. And when he got sick of them, like I said, he was a ladies' man. He was (coughs) going to basically, like, 
ditch them and move on to the next person pretty quickly. So he had a oh, what do you flow. mean by ditch them? Yeah, we'll see, right? <laughs> uh, he had a constant flow of attractive wait staff at the tavern. And, you know, some people, rumor they were rumored to be prostitutes, but it was just a rumor. Like, truly, they were there just to, you know, look nice and be there for people to look at and, right. like, throw them drinks or whatnot. But, um. But for whatever fucking reason, most of the women that showed up there became infatuated with Ball, several of them having admitted that they fell in love with him. You know, maybe he's charming. Maybe he's secretly charming. But the kind of common theme that ran uh, throughout the tavern was that these women would work for a few months and then they'd abruptly leave. And um, those who weren't fond of Ball would be replaced immediately. Those who fell in love with him would also be replaced because he wanted to move on. He wasn't interested in that. He wanted to move on to the next person pretty quickly. So he was like the Hugh Hefner of the South. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he was asked like why his staff came and went like a revolving door. And he just looked at one of his waitresses and said, well, you know how they are. They just come and go. Come and go. Like a creep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you gotta do the southern accent oh yeah. uh, you know how women are let's see how <laughs> they just come and go well you know you know how they are they just come and go oh Was that wrong okay? yeah, yeah. I I did a yeah. Good job. so yeah. over the years there were many waitresses that came and went so frequently that even patrons couldn't keep track of them most of the time so there were just this like just constant flow of new women coming. jesus so um, one of those women that came to the tavern was Minnie Mae Goddard. Minnie Mae? Minnie Mae. Minnie Mae Goddard. Is she from Catawissa? She's not. She's not. <laughs> from San Antonio. Oh. Well, she came from San Antonio. That's where she, like, arrived from. But she's actually from Seguin. 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 Or Segway. Whatever. Like. <laughs> so she came from, she, she arrived on, like, a bus from San Antonio. But she was actually from Seguin. Texas originally. She was 20 years old. She had red hair and was absolutely stunning. It's always the redheads, right? Yeah, and she was also known to have like she has beautiful <laughs> plump red lips too. So she Oh, I hate that word plump. Oh, really? You hate it? Plump, plump, plump. No, no, don't, don't. I love a plump chicken wing. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> it's so weird. There are like some people have like those words that they hate, like moist. Or no. Slub. What are some other ones? Oh yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to. I want to mention <laughs> words that make me cringe. But like, I don't have any of those. I you don't? Other, no, there are no words that I'm like. That's don't say that. I'm just like, oh, there no. must be something weird. Plump. It's just the. <laughs> it's just the sound. <laughs> oh my god! If you say it to me one more time, you're no. dead to me. There's sounds that I don't like. Maybe that like there are certain sounds I really hate, but but not. Like words. So, okay. Won't say that anymore. (laughs) But uh, she was known as Big Minnie because she had a big personality. She was bossy. She didn't take any crap from anyone. And she actually learned how to run the the tavern pretty well. She came all the way from Seguin to work at the Sociable Inn. And her first night there, word spread around town that there was a new gal at the tavern. Oh, boy. And Ball was on his best behavior that night. He was trying to impress her. But there was a fight between a patron and Ball. And the patron asked Ball what had happened to his most recent waitress, who, like, was no longer there. Right. And apparently... Ball went ballistic and the patron was kicked out of the tavern. And in his rage, he decided he was going to put on one of his alligator shows 
and brought some patrons out to watch. And as Minnie went out to see like what the commotion was, he was tossing a, a small animal into the pit. Like Minnie screamed like naturally and Ball was like, what are you doing out here? And he he reprimanded her for being outside and not paying attention to the customers. And he like shoved her inside. And so apparently that night, Minnie wrote home to a friend and said she was scared of Joe and she planned to stay just another week to make some money to help her like tide her over until she got her next job. But within a week, she had changed her mind. Joe had wooed her over and dug his claws into her and people around, you know, town were seeing them together driving their driving Joe's car and spending a lot of time together. So it was clear like within a week they were they were an item. Interesting. Which is unfortunate. So they were involved for several months, but after a few months, Minnie found out that Joe was actually engaged. Shocking. So he had been married <laughs> twice. His first his first wife he divorced. Well, both of his wives, they got divorced, but his first one moved I think somewhere south, which I'm not sure how much farther south she moved. Maybe like literally South America. I don't know. But the second wife went missing. Yeah, no. Like never to be seen or heard from again. But he Mm. claimed that she went to the, she was like, fine. She was somewhere in the Midwest. And, you know, we can all draw our conclusions about that. Yeah. And so by this time, he's like in his mid 40s and he's engaged to be married for the third time to a woman from San Antonio. And her name was Buddy. Or I should say her name was Dolores Goodman. And she went by Buddy. Now, okay. despite Ball being abusive and generally not a good human being, once again, Buddy fell in love with him. And somehow he dug his claws into her too, but he was just a terrible human being. At one point, Ball threw a bottle at her face and gave her a huge scar that ran from her eye all the way down her cheek. Like he was Whoa. just a terrible human being. So Minnie found out that uh, Buddy and Ball were engaged and she confronted Joe in the tavern in front of a ton of people. She basically was like, you cannot marry Buddy. She was putting her foot down. But Joe stood by his behavior and was like, what I do is my business. Get back to work. Get, like, get back to waiting tables or get the fuck out. So during this whole affair, she sent him several angry notes, one of which said, quote, if you think I'm going to do the things I have and then you run off to enjoy yourself with her, meaning buddy, you only want to be the rat that you made out of yourself. Of yourself? Yep. She sent a second letter to him that said, I'm still willing to break you and buddy up. If it's the last thing I do, <laughs> I'll probably get killed doing it. But who cares what happens to me? If I, I knew you were going to do that, boy. <laughs> Did you ever? <laughs> back, back, way back when, when like YouTube was just starting, there was this, there was this hilarious video called like a breakup letter from a real person. And it was like. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> but there's this part where she's like, it's it's like someone just reading mm-hmm. a breakup letter from yeah. like, probably like a 15-year-old to her boyfriend. Yeah. And it's so poorly written. And it's just like all this weird shit. And he's reading it in a hilarious voice. And like one of those, like, I'll get you if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> I know that there are people who are going to remember that video. Because it's hilarious. Like, that's like this. I thought you liked me. You said it yourself. <laughs> that's how it's I love reading my old journals because oh I'm like, oh my God, like I literally said I was in love so many times. <laughs> and you were, you loved everyone. And it was you. so apparent that the dude did not feel the same way. <laughs> You're like, I, I know he feels the same way. <laughs> he will change his mind. Like, no, Kate, he fucking won't. So Minnie wrote these scathing letters to Joe. She had left Elmendorf by this point, left the tavern. And I don't know where she was, but she was not, not around. So in May 1937, she returned to Almendorf to the sociable inn. 
I guess she was like willing to mend the fence or I don't know, give, give Joe a second chance. And Joe right. seemed just completely tickled. He was thrilled and wanted to take me. Oh, I he don't wanted... see him being the tickled kind tickled of guy. <laughs> tickled plum. Yeah. <laughs> so he seemed thrilled and he, <laughs> He uh, offered to take Minnie on a beach picnic. So that day, Joe packed up his car. What beach? It's uh, San Antonio. I know. he. They went to uh, oh, a beach uh, on the San Antonio River. Oh. I think. So yeah, it's like the San Antonio River. Oh, yeah, River. yeah, yeah. All the pictures that you see. So, you, yeah. so yeah. So San Antonio, like there's a big river that runs through it. So they went to the beach okay. um, along the river. Not only was it Joe and Minnie, but Joe brought with him a man named Clifton Wheeler, who was basically his handyman and cook and just kind of general person that would do things. Odd jobs. Odd jobs, like the vigorous labor, things like that. He was Um, his lackey. Yeah. So who was Clifton Wheeler? He was his handyman. He was his, his cook. He happened to be black, but because of what I said earlier, how Joe didn't really treat black people very very no, kindly. He's extremely racist. So that's exactly how he treated Clifton as well. Clifton did a lot of manual labor, a lot of dirty work for Joe. And, and Clifton said he was scared of Joe. Apparently, Joe would shoot at his feet to make him dance. So, no! yes. so he, was, he was just like not, you know, he was terrified of him, but did, you know, did odd jobs probably because he feared for his life. Yeah. So that night, however, Joe and Clifton returned from the beach, but Minnie wasn't with them. So everyone's asking, like, where the hell is Minnie? And Joe claimed that the date had been a farewell meal, that Minnie had gotten a job elsewhere, and he wanted to bid her farewell with a nice meal and a date on the beach. People were like, that seems fishy. Also, a job at a at a bar or restaurant, like, let's be real, especially in 1930, you're not, like, writing in in response to a newspaper ad yeah. for a, looking for a waitress. You literally travel to That's another he, town. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly how she found this job yeah. originally. Yeah. So by the time that they got back to the tavern that night, there was already a new girl there, like waiting tables and girls. What are you doing? Like if women uh, were just disappearing no. from an establishment, I wouldn't go work. And I well, like, I might if the money yeah. was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, like these are girls that are coming in from out of town. They don't know the backstory. There's like, oh, there's a oh, job that's opening. true. That's a good point. You know. But yeah, her name was Estelle. Now, Ball told people, like I said, that that she had gotten. He told told some people she gotten a job elsewhere and wanted. He wanted to bid her farewell, but then he told other people that Minnie was pregnant and had gone to a Corpus Christi hospital and she was pregnant with a black man's baby. And so she was shamed and would not be returning, which is something. Rule number two of Fight Club, get your story straight. (laughs) So he's telling all these different stories and, you know, blaming it on some random black person because that's what he loved to do. Just be a complete scumbag. Douchebag. Um. So the funny thing was all of her clothes and belongings were, of course, left at the the tavern because the tavern had like there were like back rooms where like the people who worked there would live. So yeah. like, like the, the waitresses lived in, in the tavern yeah. itself. And so like everyone at the, you know, that worked there who had like access to the, the lodging was like, why is all of her stuff here? I guarantee you there were people that were at least at the very least suspicious. Yeah. But if a grown man is afraid of him. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, like I said, like his family basically ran this town. There were 12 balls. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Tinder profile. Yeah. There are 12 balls. I've like, got 12 balls. Yeah. So many balls. <laughs> and that's just the brothers and sisters. Doesn't take into account his aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever. They all have There's balls. There's lots of balls. <laughs> 
So the balls run this city. <laughs> the balls are running the city. All sorts of balls. All sorts of balls. So, so yeah, I think people are just scared to question him. Um, and not to mention he was scary. Like he had oh, a yeah. bad temper. He always had a gun and knew how to shoot it. So and he had, and a, he had a fucking alligator. So they're yeah. like, I don't know. He had an know. alligator pit. No. Do you do you wonder if he ever called his alligator pit the ball pit? <laughs> so, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> God. so stupid. But probably. Probably. Uh knowing Welcome to the ball, ball pit. Yeah. Welcome to the ball pit. <laughs> Looks like the noise. <laughs> Welcome to the ball <laughs> He's got like a, 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 you know, like one of those, like, wee, yeah, wee, wee, wee. Like siren, strobe light, disco ball. Alligator comes in yeah. and rope. <laughs> Things got really crazy in the ball pit. <laughs> there were animals, there were like, but there was also music and dancing, so. And dancing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, all of her, all of her clothes had been left behind, which is obviously suspicious. Now I, I mentioned that this Estelle had joined the uh, workforce at the tavern right after Minnie had gone missing. And a few weeks later, Estelle also went missing and, uh, a young dishwasher asked like, where did Estelle go and why are all of her clothes still here? And apparently Ball, you know, he said that she had moved to California and then he's like, if you ask any more questions, you're done. And he fired the kid. So uh, oh, that's how he handled Yeah, the kid didn't him. disappear. Yeah, yeah the kid that didn't kid disappears, just fired. So count his blessings. So Joe married Buddy in September of 1937. So a few months after Minnie had gone missing. So um, her married name is Buddy Ball. Buddy Ball. <laughs> Jesus. That sounds like a really Buddy Ball. A cheap, mm. it's like a knockoff toy. Honestly, it kind of sounds like a tasty treat. Yeah. <laughs> I'll eat some Buddy Balls. A hundred percent, I'd eat some buddy balls right now with some jimmies. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Oh, I'd eat some buddy balls. I don't know what it makes me. Why it makes me think of like delicious chocolate treats, but oh my god, chocolate peanut it, butter. What, what? I think of dog biscuits, buddy biscuits, buddy biscuits. <laughs> no, buddy balls, delicious treats, buddy balls. So buddy ball. Uh, so after a while of uh, you know, after after being married for a couple of months, Ball decided to come clean to Buddy, and he says. You know how Minnie went missing and like went, it's like, well, she didn't go missing. I killed her. Oh. Yep. So he told, he tells, he comes clean to Buddy. Well, it might, maybe it wasn't coming clean. It was a threat. Yeah. So, so he tells her like, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want her bothering us anymore. Like she was, she was threatening to break us up and I just wanted to be with you. And so I had to get rid of her. And so Buddy's like, cool. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go tell my new best friend Hazel about this. <laughs> So poor Hazel, Hazel was the new barmaid, you know, because Estelle had gone missing and now we've got Hazel. So, so Hazel is, her name is Hazel Brown. Her friends called her Shotzi, which I fucking love that name. Oh, yes. Like in German, apparently it means like sweetheart, which I know somebody I know had a dog named Shotzi at some point. I thought it was my mom, but I asked her and she said no, but it's adorable. <laughs> Shotzi. Shotzi. It's, see, it makes me think of the show Letterkenny and there's. A character named Shorzy. Yep, yep, yeah. All right. Shotzi. Yep. Yeah. So her friends, this is Hazel Brown. Um, she was the new barmaid. Her friends called her Shotzi. And Hazel and Buddy became really good friends. And so Buddy was like, man, I got to tell you something that Joe just told me. He told me he killed someone. And she's like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> The voice. <laughs> like, oh, you gotta be kidding yeah, me. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> 
So who is he? So Hazel Brown, like I said, she she came to the tavern for a job, like every other beautiful gal that he hired. She was 22 years old. She had dark hair and dark eyes. And she was like a very good tavern manager. She held down the fort when, when Joe was away. She she was a, just like a great employee. And she actually seemed to have a pretty strong grip on ball. So like when she, she got- She had a strong grip on balls. <laughs> she had a really strong grip on ball. On his buddy balls. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta start calling him Joe. It's too weird. So she had a really strong grip on it. Joe. <laughs> I'm sure she and did. When she started working at the tavern, like Joe stopped drinking as much. He seemed to calm down. He even quit doing the alligator shows because she hated them, which as you oh. can imagine, all of this means that they were a thing. So oh. Hazel and Joe had started an affair despite Hazel and, and Buddy being good friends. She was and she Buddy was, being married to Joe. Yeah, Joe stepping out with his wife's best friend. Which Hazel. Shotzi's a little homewrecker. You, Shotzi, come on. <laughs> so this is just a side note. Um, like, Buddy's arm mysteriously went missing. Her Buddy's, arm. Her arm. Buddy's arm? His arm. She got a little too close to the ball pit. So like, <laughs> apparently there are lots of rumors, but her arm was literally cut off somehow. And so she only has one arm or only did like until I, the well, time Well, Joe obviously did. And like, he's yeah, like, you, like, you. He it's an arm this time. Right. I know. So he like, some people, yeah, most people were like, he Joe cut off her arm and probably fed it to the alligators. Yeah. She was like, no, no, no. I was in a car accident. But it was like, I think records could corroborate that. Hearts so didn't what go happened fast to enough fucking, back then. What happened to your fucking arm? Oh, that's not true. Remember Jonathan Addy? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Matthew. I know. That was truly the, my least favorite episode. Oh. That or when... um, well, you'd, be, you'd have to be pretty fucked up if it was your favorite right. episode. Oh, I know. I was like, oh, did I say favorite? You said oh least favorite least favorite yeah what was the sister that died during childbirth Sybil Sybil yeah that one that was it wrecked me tragic yeah like that I don't know if I've recovered wrecked me that's the worst and spoiler alert don't don't spoil because I haven't seen any of the I haven't seen the movies or anything uh no I'm changing okay shows uh Succession do you watch that Mm -hmm. oh I can't tell I can't say anything of course you fucking can. No one is like up to date on Succession other than like eight people. Everyone's like three series behind because everyone just realized how great of a show it was. I have been saying for three years what a great show it is. And well, that makes me think. I've been you for like 10 how good Breaking Bad is. So I get know. on it. God damn it. I know what I do need to watch. I think I've watched two seasons of Succession. I there's think. there's three seasons and then this new season's like three episodes in. I hate that. I, are they just releasing it like a week at a time? Yeah. I hate that. Just do it all at once. Like, go make me wait. Because we they don't want to encourage a binge culture. Is that true? I'm sure it is. They spend all this time creating a series and then you blow your wad all in one week. Like blow the wad. Yeah. Blow the wad. Blow the wad. <laughs> I agree, which is why I'll watch Breaking Bad because yeah, it's yeah, all out yeah. there. I really wish that. I had time to binge shows. I yeah, really do exactly. Miss, like, I would love to have a week where I could just binge watch a ton of shows. Someday. You have a kid. I know. Throw them in the ball pit. Children <laughs> have a way of changing your life. That's that crazy how that's that changing happens. is a really good word yeah. for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, So uh yeah, Buddy's arm mysteriously went missing. Um, she said it was an accident, but people are like, I don't believe that. I think the alligators got it. So her arm is gone. 
But uh, how how dumb do you have to be though? If like you were just like out out on your smoke break, leaning against yeah, the no. alligator. It's like the Tiger King. That- yes, yes. <laughs> I'm never gonna financially recover from this. <laughs> So uh, that was in January of 1938. Now, four months later in April, Buddy went missing. So by then, like I said, Joe and Hazel were dating. Um, And a couple of months later in uh, the summer of 1938, Hazel went missing as well. So April 1938, Buddy went missing. Summer of 1938, so roughly June, July um hazel went missing as well i hate to say it but hazel kind of deserved it because not because you know who knows who instigated an affair or whatever but mostly because she was friends yeah with buddy and then buddy lost an arm and she went missing and buddy told her like he killed someone and she's like oh you're funny yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay joe you're just being dramatic like yeah no yeah yeah, so all of those things, it's sort of like, does anyone ever deserve to die? No, but like Hazel, there were some red flags. I'm just saying, I mean, dude, red flags. No one ever deserves to die, but there are some people that make it real easy. Yeah. Like, so. Uh, so September 1938, <laughs> so this was a couple of months after, so several months after Buddy had gone missing, a couple months after Hazel had gone missing. Uh, so September 23rd, 1938, a man approaches a sheriff. His name is John Gray. And told him about a barrel that he that he looked that he was he was walking on someone's property and smelled something horrible and located and like discovered this barrel that was covered in flies and just smelled like absolute shit. And the barrel said, Will you check my tag? <laughs> just gotta reach reach a little further. Oh, I gotta really get down there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> oh, that that man. Maybe he's a listener, you know, and he's like, that yeah, was me. that was me. <laughs> oh, so he just described this barrel and said that it was on the property of Joe Ball's sister and said, like, I talked to the sister and she said that Joe had discarded it there. Um, and he's like, I don't want to look in it, but it's on it's it's near this barn. Go figure it out. And by this time, like, people in the town had sort of started <laughs> putting pieces together. They're like, all of these women have gone missing. Like Putting what? pieces together yeah, and Buddy's yeah. missing an arm. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, they're like, something's not right. <laughs> so, um, with all the missing barmen, it made the police decided they're going to go take a look at this. And so, by the next day, they go, they, so they like, we'll give it 24 hours because they're lazy as fuck. Yeah. And we're like. <laughs> Well, we'll go check it out tomorrow. Well, by the next day, the barrel was gone. So they go to the bar to ask Ball about the barrel. They're like, okay, listen, we've gotten some tips that you... That is some alliteration right there. Ball, Ball? did you put Buddy in the barrel? (laughs) (laughs) So they go to the bar, Ball's bar, to ask... If they put Buddy in the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. They, and and uh, <laughs> Ball put Buddy in the barrel at the bar. So so they they get to the bar. They ask Ball about the barrel. And he told them he knew nothing about it. He's like, no, there was no barrel. I didn't drop a barrel at my sister's house. So they go back to the sister's barn where the sister was. And she was like, yeah, there was for sure a barrel here yesterday. It's not here today. But it was here. And it was gross and smelly and covered in flies. 
So the police return to the tavern and are like, we got to talk to Ball. Because at this time, they're like, that's enough for us. We're bringing him into, into San Antonio to, to question him at the Oh, the now station. it's enough. Yeah, they're like, that's we've we've heard enough. We're going to, we just need to question him. And they said, so they go back to the tavern and they're like, listen up, buddy. We got to, we're taking you in to have, you know, to question you about this disgusting barrel. Um, but he asked, he's like, you know, before we go, can I just like have a drink and close up the place? Like, I, I need to. You know, no one else is here to close it up. So because, you know, he's killed all of the women that would help. Uh, but he's like, no Yeah, it sounds like a you problem. Like, that sounds yeah. like a you problem. <laughs> um, so he's like, I just need to shut the place down. And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, well, because he's from happen. an influential family yeah, and he's yeah. white and he's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they were like, "Sure, what's the worst that can happen?" So they all sit down at the bar and ball. What's the worst Bulk that can pours happen? Pours himself a beer and he's just sipping on it. And then he walks over to the till. He opens the till up, and of course, in the till, there's a, a gun. And he grabs out the gun and shoots himself in the heart and kills himself immediately. Why in the heart? I know, like, like just do it. Man. Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna do it, I don't just... even know where I point. Like, how big is my heart? Is it like in the center? Do no, I go a little? You won't bit find off? me doing that. No way. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, I don't want to because you like, know that I would just like hit like yeah. a bone, like, oh, and then God. the pain will plague me for the rest <laughs> of my life. So, of course, this is suspicious. <laughs> They're like, why did he kill himself? Obviously, he's hiding something. So, police are called to the tavern and they go back out to look at the alligator pond. And it was just disgusting. There was like rotting meat, not like human flesh that they could. But yeah. It was just disgusting, rotting bits of like animals. And well, I don't see him and- as, you know, the kind that would put humane treatment no. as a priority. So, it was just nasty. And in addition, um, they found an axe that had blood and what appeared to be human hair on it. Oh, cool. Okay. So the police question all the workers at the tavern and the patrons of the tavern. I was like, yeah, this isn't surprising. Like he obviously had a lot of women coming and going. No one knew what happened to the women. But the one person at the tavern that really they could tell something he knew something was Clifton Wheeler. I was going to say, and, poor, and his, I wonder if Clifton had gotten it yet. Yeah. So okay. they're like, he was clearly hiding something. So <coughs> the police took him in for questioning and he basically cracked right away. So he said that Hazel had fallen in love with a bar patron and had told Joe that she wanted out of the relationship. And he was like, no, like you don't get to choose when I'm done with you. Right. I get to choose. And so she threatened him and told him, like, listen, I, buddy told me what you did to Minnie. So I'm going to go to the police if you don't let me go. And she, you know, the accusation of killing Buddy and, and it threw him into a rage. So he killed her. He dismembered her body and he buried her on the banks of the San Antonio River near Almendorf. He buried her? So her why, body. Why was, wouldn't he just feed her to the gators? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like drawn a roadmap on what to do with the body but it just seems like you got five gators there so might as well use them so her body was spread in different places <laughs> and her skull had been burnt so wheeler <sighs> said that after a night of heavy drinking you know after he had killed hazel um joe asked him to load up the car with blankets and beer and he had he was bringing with him a saw an axe he had a post hole digger and his gun um they went to Joe's sister to pick up the 55-gallon iron barrel, and they took it to the river with them. And the barrel, you know, these were barrels that had previously been used for his bootlegging. So they were, like, big, you know, heavy barrels. Yeah, yeah. So Joe forced Wheeler at gunpoint to dig a grave, and then they opened the barrel and 
and Hazel's body just tumbled out of the barrel. Whoa. Like, well, yeah, not mm-hmm. like in, in pieces. Yeah, maybe. no, yeah. not in pieces yet. So, oh, okay. Uh, so Clifton Wheeler refused to help Ball dismember the corpse. He was like, I'm not doing it. I'm well, that's just, bad juju right there. I'm not yeah. doing it. And so, so Joe was sitting there trying to do it himself, but he got so angry when like one of her hands kept getting in the way of the saw. I hate and that. I hate it. As he was trying to saw <laughs> off her head. So Jesus. so Clifton goes and reaches over and grabs her hand and like pulls it out of the way so he could saw her head off. And then he helped f- further and held her arms and legs. Well, well Clifton just wanted to saw. lend a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> Quit it. You stop that right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to get ahead of this. <laughs> so funny oh my god high five um okay so she can't high five she can't so they both like apparently the whole act like made them sick to their stomachs and they were like barfing (laughs) so they drank some more beer which why would you do that that's puking because that's that is a tried and true proven fact that that will help so uh they buried her body in different areas and uh, they threw her head and her clothes in a campfire and burned it. So as Don broke, they sat around, drank beer, and then they drove back to the bar. I just think that the burning is excessive. Right. In, in any um, case. Yeah. Ugh. Like, you've already killed him. Right. Like, just you're. I know you want to get rid of evidence, but, like, it's just. And Clifton, <sighs> like, said, like, there was a point when, like, he was sitting on, the, you know, he was sick and he's sitting there, like, barfing and. He looks up and he sees Joe like stumbling off with his head, with her head, like under her, under one arm and like a bottle in the other, just like walking away. And I'm like, why were you carrying that? Like a monster? <laughs> it's not a purse. It's a human head. It's not a ball ball. <laughs> so what actually happened to Minnie? Because we know that she went out on this beach day with, with Joe and Clifton, she never returned. What actually happened to her? So apparently during their beach day in May of 1937, um, Clifton went with Ball and Minnie, uh, and they went to a little town called Ingleside near Corpus Christi. So they were like, they were actually okay. like at the beach beach. Yeah, yeah, at the, the beach beach. You mean the Gulf? Yeah. Yeah. It ran the Gulf. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Joe found a secluded area, and after a little swimming and a lot of drinking, he asked Minnie to take her clothes off. And so... Uh, Clifton was like, third wheel situation. Oh, that would be so awkward. Like, like, I'm being away from here while you guys do your sexy time. <laughs> like, um, I, and I exactly. <laughs> see ya. But Joe called for more whiskey. So, uh, so Clifton came out of hiding and he noticed that his boss had like his gun out and Joe and Minnie were like sitting side by side. They were like looking at the sky together and Joe pointed at some clouds. And when Minnie turned her head to look up, he shot her in her temple. Ooh. No. But like, made her last, <laughs> the last thing she saw was pretty so that's good but yeah. um so clifton was like shocked and was like what the fuck why did you do that and he's like i had no choice she was pregnant and you know i'm you know he tells i'm seeing buddy now and and i'm engaged to buddy so 
They buried her in the sand and they drove back to Elmendorf. So several days after Clifton had confessed, you know, this to the police, the the police officer started digging in Ingleside and the attempts to locate Minnie. And naturally it became like a spectacle because this is 1938. Yeah. People are coming and there's like popsicle stands. Oh my God. And like little food stands. That's like when they used to have public hangings. They would have like, yeah, someone walking around with like a you know, meat on a stick or something. Like, like, I yeah. get it. Like, people are, like, naturally drawn to things that are super morbid, but, like, yeah, like, let them do their jobs. <laughs> so, October 14th, 1938, so, like, two weeks after, Minnie's very well-preserved body was located because apparently they buried her, but the sands had shifted because this is, like, their sand dunes. Yeah. And so she was buried, like, 15 feet underneath the ground. And so her body was really well-preserved. They actually, like, to... To have the coroner's inquest, they like lowered spectators down into this like 16 foot deep hole and like, and had like the coroner's desk there. And he like did this inquest down in the hole, which is bizarre, but she was located as well. So where was Buddy? Because like we've talked about Hazel, we've talked about Minnie, Buddy also went missing. But they're like, where's Buddy? So she went missing, like I said, in April of 1938. Well, she was actually located. They found her. She was located in San Diego where she had fled after Joe had told her what he had done to Minnie. So she was fucking terrified of him. So probably after her arm was so but yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say so like, but where's her arm? But her arm, the arm. <laughs> so she admitted that she knew of Minnie's murder and she fled because she was so scared. In addition, like Buddy went to her grave, like basically saying, No, like Joe, Joe didn't like Joe was a good man and he wouldn't have fed anyone to those alligators. Well, yeah, because she wants to move on. Yeah. She, she doesn't want to get involved and she's probably terrified. Yeah. In 1957, she gave an interview and she said, Joe never put no people in that alligator tank. Joe wouldn't do a thing like that. He wasn't no horrible monster. He was a sweet, kind, good man. And he never hurt nobody unless he was driven to it. Like Minnie drove him to it. Okay, cool. Um, And then way to victim blame. Yeah. And then, of course, the scar on her face. She's like, he didn't even mean to cut me. He was throwing a ball at another guy. I fell towards the bottle. Honey, 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 honey. So there were multiple witness accounts, like, after Ball killed himself, after Joe killed himself. Many people came forward and were like, yeah, we saw some some sketchy shit, but we were just too scared because Ball was, like, terrifying. Oh, my God. I So uh, an unnamed witness said that he saw Joe put a small black-haired woman in the alligator pool in April of 1932. Um he said him and a companion like had were searching for cattle. Apparently their cattle had gotten out and they were searching for them when they passed by the tavern. And they said Ball saw that like they saw what he was doing and then Ball saw them looking and he approached the men with a gun and was he was like, yeah, I was putting a cat in the pool. Like, why are you out here looking at my in, like in my business? I was putting a cat in the pool. And they were like, that didn't look like a cat. Why are you in my business? Yeah, they were like, like, that didn't look like a cat. And so apparently he threatened the men saying that if they said anything, he'd kill them. He was like, if I go to jail, I'll find someone to kill you. So these men were obviously terrified and they literally like this. Well, he's demonstrated that he can get away with so much shit and that, and he has all this influence, not to mention he's a a physically very large man and very intimidating. Right. Yeah. I don't blame him for not saying anything. So that was all during the time. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have see something, say something like it. It's mind your own business. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Once he heard that, that Joe had killed himself, he came back. And uh, told the police about what he had seen. So we're trying, like, what is the motive here? Why did he kill Minnie? Why did he kill, you know, Hazel? Well, uh, they and were inconvenient. The other women that he probably killed because yeah. there were probably other women as well. 
So there were letters found in his house after he killed himself, showing that many of the missing women from his tavern had visited maternity homes shortly before they went missing. And in addition, both Hazel Brown and Minnie were pregnant. So he was getting women pregnant. Yeah. It was inconvenient. Yep. And he was killing them like a fucking you piece s- of garbage. Sick monster. I know. Just a fucking sicko. But uh, so they were both pregnant. And it was obvious that he was killing women because he was having his way with them when they became inconvenient, getting yeah. rid of them. Yeah. Like a monster. So how many people were actually killed? Witnesses counted roughly six waitresses who went missing from the tavern. So like piecing together patron accounts and witness accounts, there were roughly six people who just were unaccounted for, two of which were like Minnie and Hazel, one of which I mentioned Estelle was like, right. she went missing. But Buddy's not counted in that because she's alive. Yeah, because she's yeah. actually alive. But uh, another woman, her name was Julia Turner, and she was 27. And her roommate, Margie Casbier, who was a former hostess at the tavern, said Julia went missing after visiting the tavern one night. Julia had apparently worked at the tavern and had been involved with Joe until he found another woman. And one night, Julia told her roommate, Margie, that she was going to talk to Joe uh, at his yep. tavern about how he dropped her and she was never seen again. Yep. Um, and Margie actually confronted Joe about Julia. And once again, he was like, she went to California. So that was always, he was like, they go to California, they go to the yeah. South, they go to the Midwest. It was always, they went somewhere. Another woman, her name was Betty Wendell. She was just another person. Uh, I don't have any information on her, but another person who disappeared from the tavern. So like estimates are roughly six women, but there okay. could have been far more. There could have been less. It could have just been Minnie and Hazel, but apparently there were like other women that like, you know, there were these folk tales. Cause this in Elmendorf, this is like, you know, everyone talks about Joe yeah. and this is like their big, their big story, their big claim to fame. So it's like become local for folklore. And they're always like, Oh, you know, this woman went missing. And then like, They'll actually dig into it and find that that missing woman is actually in San Antonio or that missing woman is actually in California or Phoenix or whatever. So a lot of the quote unquote missing women have actually been located. And his family, like his close family members say that when he got came back from the war, he was drastically different, which like, of course, a ton like, of a ton of guys were like, how like, could you not be? Yeah. I can't remember if this was, I think it was in, in um the, one of the articles I read where they said that your memories are like um, are imprinted in your brain, like a film strip. Like there yeah. are things you can't erase. They're no. always there. No. And so uh, he just like had, you know, he came back and he had seen some shit like m- most people during world war one or two or, you know, Vietnam or anything have seen. And so he just became a monster and not, it's not to say he wasn't before, but it doesn't sound like maybe, maybe he wasn't. Well, you know, but if you have no issue killing people, yeah. You know, he either got callous when he was yeah. at war, if he wasn't before. Right. Um, he was, and that was, like, his perfect yes, outlet. Yes, exactly. So what happened to the alligators? Come on, gators! The five alligators were brought to the Breckenridge Park Zoo in San Antonio. So the San Antonio Zoo. They were on display until the closure of the reptile park in 1974. So literally, like, alligators lived 30 to 50 years. So the alligators that were there in 1974 could have been the same alligators that were taken from his the ball pit. I looked yeah. up pictures of of the reptile park and like they was it in seventy four. No, I mean like it was like a like people were like sitting on top of the alligators. It was like one where you could like get your picture taken with an alligator or like sitting next to them or like holding their mouths open or like shit like that. I'm sure it got closed because like someone probably died. Just why? Yeah, but um, good for those alligators because you know what? 
They didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, and, like, there's still, like, people are like, did he feed people the alligators? Like, there's no proof of it, right? They didn't find any, like, body parts or anything in their their thing. Yeah, but if it's he has like, no issue killing. Right. And he doesn't want to be inconvenienced. And dismembering. He and dismembering. Have, yeah, like, he doesn't have issues with any of that. And he, it's not like he's concerned about their diet. Right. So, yeah, I, I bet he did. I know. So... It's yeah, it's 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 likely that something I mean he was throwing yeah animals in there. Puppies and kids yeah, in there. Like, like so Ugh. he draws the line. Yeah, at like no, 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 absolutely not. Um, so Clifton Wheeler was sentenced to two years in prison for accessory to murder of Hazel Brown. Um, he got out of prison, he returned to Elmdorf and opened his own tavern, but people were not okay with that. Not long after he closed shop. He left town and we was never heard from again. Like I said, <laughs> Elmendorf, this was just like a totally random fact about Elmendorf. Elmendorf was finally incorporated in 1963 and the first mayor was Raymond Ball, Joe's brother. Whoa! Right? Oh, so there's just balls I everywhere. Mean, just balls everywhere. Just balls everywhere. There's and they balls just... in office. There's <laughs> balls in jail. There's balls at Sam's Club. Yeah, just like, balls everywhere. There's just balls everywhere. And they said, like, apparently that, like, there's, like, a long history of, like, unfortunate situations happening. Like, a bunch of them got, like, arrested. There was, like, a ball sheriff and, like, a ball other person that got just, in trouble. There's, like, all these balls are getting balls in trouble. Balls everywhere you turn. Yeah, balls. Really balls everywhere. in your face. You don't want the balls. <laughs> you just don't. These are balls you don't want to. So, oh, uh, so <coughs> that is the uh, unfortunate story of the alligator man, or the Elmdorf Ripper, Butcher of Elmdorf, or Bluebeard of the South, Joe Ball. The Bluebeard of the South. I would call him the Ball Bandit. Yeah, yeah. Ball bandit. <laughs> I mean, come on, there's some real opportunity here. Well, that I, I actually think that I have read about. Him in an anthology as they, well. They taught like in several. So I read, I read a book. I read like, I, I love going to newspapers.com. And like, so I read so many newspaper articles about oh. him. And um, uh, yeah, they were saying like, he became like a local, he became a legend. Like there were so many stories about him. I think there was like some movies that were like based off of the story and, and so, yeah, he's like, it's like a, a local legend. It's so interesting. And for once, it's a pretty simple motive. Yeah, I know. Which like, is- you really don't need to read that much into it. No. It's a guy used that grew up, used to get in his way. Yeah, right. Might have been, probably was, fucked up and, and, you know, at war. Yeah. Came back, didn't have a heart to begin with. Yeah. So not interested in, in, in anything other than the simple yeah. pleasures in life and anything got in his way. He's like, see ya. Here comes Bubba. Is he actually coming down? Hi, friend. Were you looking for me? I'm sorry, buddy. Oh. Are you looking for me? I'm right here. Well, thank you guys for listening. As always, please like us. Please write a, a review. Please tell your friends. Send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at premeditatedpodcast. And hey, we need to do a shout out to your brother-in-law, Daniel. Yeah, he he was pretty upset that I only mentioned him one time. He was really upset. And I got uh, Emily's sister-in-law's name. She emailed us. It is not Kelly. It is not the girl whose thighs don't touch. Or or maybe they don't. I don't know her. But uh, Kasha... Thank you, Kasha, for listening to us. Yeah, thank you. You are incredible, and we appreciate you. 
I also got to shout out my boss. My boss, Chris, has been like telling everybody about the podcast and he like listened to it. And I love that. He he's a he's a cool guy. Nice. So so that was a pretty cool thing. He oh, like, made uh, a joke about rip beer shops. I'm like, you listen, you listen, you listen to the podcast. So um Spenny, you listen every episode that comes out. Thank you guys all. Seriously, it means a lot. We enjoy doing this, but it's more fun that we like know people are enjoying listening yeah. to us. Uh, because we think we're really funny. So. <laughs> we think we're hilarious. We are so And as always, tell your folks we says hi. That's not no, no, I'm just not in at all. No, 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 no,